0: Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
1: You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast.
0: With Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Larry. Caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser! University of Wisconsin, third and goal of the one, Lindsay is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's that they call a touchdown, they call a touchdown on a one yard jump inside. Trying
1: to set up the screen to his tight end, no offense, he's got some room
0: to run, he cuts it back at
1: the
2: 10, Fitt takes it in, touchdown Denver! The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And so touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I have exercise the demons.
1: And everybody to the aftermath episode of the huddle up podcast coming out of week 15 heading into week 16. I'm your host Chad Jensen with me as always my partner in crime that you know and you love he is Zach Kelberman. Zach someone needs to check on the monster and make sure he's okay after that despondent despairing
2: you know trip to the podium after the game yesterday. Uh, I mean, he really confirmed, I think, Chad, something we've been speculating on all season with Von Miller. It's the fact that he is mentally and emotionally fried. I mean, he is totally, I wouldn't say apathetic, but a lot, a, a lot of his mindset is checked out of the Broncos four straight seasons of losing four straight seasons of being in a rudderless team that hasn't gone to the playoffs. That's fallen so far from the championship perch they were on. And they're now they're just bottom dwellers. They're, you know, just among the, the, the rebuilding squads in the NFL, nothing good is associated with them. So in a sense, I don't blame Vaughn for acting that way. It's just to me, it was very uncharacteristic for him to come out after a loss and not preach anything but sunshine and rainbows.
1: What it makes me wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm still getting over a cold you guys, so my my voice is still a little weird. But what it makes me wonder is how much of this, how much of Vaughn 2019 has been a player simply just like grinning and bearing the Fangio message. Like to me there's a there's an aspect of this where it's a little bit of an indictment on Fangio. Not saying that Fangio what I'm not even saying that Fangio's doing anything wrong, all right? Just rather that whatever Fangio has been selling, Vaughn has tried to buy in. He's tried to be the dutiful soldier yeah. and fall in line, but the results haven't come. And so he's at a point where – and one of these quotes here that I want to get to uh, – we'll we'll grab it here in just a second – really speaks to how cl- – he's just at the end of his rope, man. Like there's there's nothing left to say. And it was interesting because most players, after a game especially – They take to the podium and they just wait for the question. Very rarely does a player stand up and actually open with a statement. And that's what Vaughn did. And I think we would be remiss to ignore the fact that he wanted to get this off his chest.
2: I mean, I'm not going to blame Fangio, but you can see the breadcrumbs that were laid out throughout the entire offseason, Chad. Fangio came in there, and from his opening press conference, he immediately took aim at Vaughn, not in a complimentary way, almost like a way. And he actually said it explicitly, we're going to make him better. There's things he can improve on. He, he didn't say those things about Bradley Chubb. He didn't say those things about a lot of Broncos players. And I think, like you said, it's all a guess on our part but I think you and I are sharing a brain on this. It seems like Vaughn tried to be the good soldier, he tried to tough it out, he tried to ignore that criticism on Fangio's part, but after not succeeding in his defense, the Broncos have another playoffless campaign, another rudderless ship. I just think he's at his wit's end and for that, even though he's highly paid, even though he's a team leader, I can't blame him. It really is hard to, I mean, 4 years and and we'll get we'll get
1: more into it. Analyze some of his specific remarks verbatim. But first, guys, just a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, as you can see here, flashing across the ticker there at the bottom of the screen, at Pod. Why do you want to follow the show on Twitter? You guys, it's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time, announcements, programming, um, giveaways, things like that. You want to make sure you're following the show, so take care of that. And then a quick reminder, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts when you get some time, no big deal. Leave a creative review on the show. And if you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating. It's a great organic way to help support the show. And it's also a means in which to enter yourselves into our monthly giveaway and drawing. We'll, We'll randomly select a couple of names out of the hat out of each month, give away a hat, give away a shirt as a thank you for supporting the Huddle Up podcast. So take care of that. This is the Overtime
0: Podcast Network. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left wing leaders across America, hands off our kids paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, first of all, let's
1: welcome in everybody that's been hanging out with us here in the room. Noble Young, Dre, Alicia, Vitrone, Stu. What's up, my brother? Jess. JD James, welcome each and every one of you. And those, of course, who I have not named. This is kind of a unique situation the Broncos find themselves in. That's far from a turning point. I mean, that 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 moment in time, that ship sailed when the Broncos got out to an 0-4 start and Drew Locke was on injured reserve. They were at that point, they painted themselves into a corner and they basically had to – you want to talk about grinning and bearing it. They just had to buckle down, bear down, and let the chips fall. Joe Flacco, complete and utter failure as a stopgap, or as John Elway said, a a player still in his prime, a former Super Bowl champion QB still in his prime. The Broncos have moved mountains. They've done – I mean, they've changed coaching staffs. This is the third coaching staff since Super Bowl 50 that Von Miller has played for. Drew Locke is now the seventh starting quarterback, and the results just haven't come. Now, we saw, Zach, in the preceding two games, this team take on an entirely different kind of swagger with Drew Locke being inserted into the equation. To me, this isn't so much an indictment on that or to say that that was fool's gold or that Locke is fool's gold or any of that. More than anything, honestly, I think what this is is Von Miller – the competitor that he is. And also, let's not forget, he's a player who's been to the top of the mountain, Super Bowl 50, Super Bowl 50 MVP. Yeah. He has seen what that view looks like from on high. And so to juxtapose that view from being at the very bottom, it's frustrating. Add to that a ninth loss in a row to the Kansas City Chiefs who, you know, and that used to be the Broncos. It was the Broncos that were sweeping the Kansas City Chiefs year in and year out through four, four and a half seasons, basically five seasons, almost. And he's been there. And then for the Chiefs, I mean, the, I think the biggest thing here, Zach, I'm rambling a little bit, but I think the biggest thing that's getting to Vaughn is it became so clear that the the gap between where the Chiefs are, where the Broncos are as exciting yeah. as some of these young pieces are that talent gap, is still a mile long, and yeah. I think that was utterly depressing to Von Miller.
2: It is, and that's that's a really really great point. And in that time frame, he also saw even the the Chargers um, come out and have a, and put together a couple winning seasons. He saw the Raiders and the John Gruden era. They they beat the Broncos handily in Week One. So, like you said, but we've been intimating all off season, Von, or at least this regular season, is Von really um, is just tired of it. That's the best way I can put it. He's not at the point where he's going to give up. That's not the type of player he is, but he loves the game so much, and he's such a consummate pro that this losing, it Bothers him. he hates it he can't stand for it anymore on top of that he's playing on a sprained MCL chat so he's injured he's hurting he's tired he's getting up there in age I'm sure he thinks the Broncos wasted his prime a little bit because they have last couple seasons but it's just the ultimate indictment is the fact that Vaughn succeeded not to Vaughn standards but still he put up double digit sack numbers in advance Joseph's scheme this year, he's struggling a lot more in a Vic Fangio scheme. So I think he also realizes that it's not the best defense for his talents, at least right now. Combine that with everything else, and that's why he's making those statements. Like I said, it's not what you want to hear from your, your leader, your, your guy that's getting paid like a franchise quarterback, but as a person, as a human being, you can understand where his feelings are coming from.
1: I want to get your thoughts on some of his specific remarks. Verbatim, let me quote this. He was asked, why do you think you're there right now Uh, where you're putting it into perspective. In other words, why are you coming out with this now? He said, quote, I don't know. We've tried everything. We've tried everything on and off the football field. We've tried all different coaches, all different players. I really don't know what's going on. If I did, I would be the first to execute whatever plan it is to make everything better. I'm just at a loss for words, close quote. To me, Zach, that implies that, to subtweet. He would like to be a part of the of this turning around. But at the same time, Zach, also in these remarks, we'll we'll maybe get to it. He mentions his age more than once. And to me, that's a guy that's recognizing that look, it's taken four years, this turnaround, it hasn't happened yet. And that's four years of my prime that are going to, that have gone down the drain. Like mortality, father time, it's knocking on his door.
2: You know what that says to me, though? He named players, he named coaches, he named everything. But what's the common link? What's the common denominator through all of this? And that is John Elway, the guy who he beefed with in that contract saga, the guy that's single-handedly responsible for, I guess, the downturn of the Broncos in recent years, the guy that's responsible on a personal level of wasting Von Miller's prime. So I can definitely tell, I can definitely sense, it might be me reading into this a little too much, there is some bad blood still lingering between the Broncos front office, Elway, and Von Miller. That's what he said to me. That's what his statement stands out. And it's the truth. They've tried everything. They have changed coaches. They changed quarterbacks. They changed personnel. They play different teams every year. And the result, year in, year out, since 2015, they won the title, has been the exact same. And the common link there is John Elway. That's what I gather out of that. And this other statement that he's making, if he's making that statement, that I agree with.
1: Jonathan jumping in with a $10 donation. Thank you, Jonathan. Chat. thank you. We really appreciate that. He says, 104.3 The Fan mostly said that Vaughn Miller isn't happy in Denver. Do you buy that? Do you buy that he wants out? Vaughn's mom mentioned Dallas. I, d- I definitely buy that he's not happy, Zach. Whether or not he, this is like, I've heard it bandied about and speculated that this is step one of a kind of passive-aggressive, behind-the-scenes Um, maneuver to begin the process of kind of getting out of Denver. I'm not quite willing to go there. I want to wait to see how he sounds on Thursday because he speaks every Thursday as well ahead of the upcoming game. I kind of want to – I'm in a holding pattern. I want to wait and see what he says on Thursday as it relates to that. But he's definitely not happy, dude.
2: I mean, let's also remember that he played college football in Texas. His parents are from Texas. They live there. I mean, he has a connection to Dallas, so I wouldn't read into that too much. Also, 104.3, the fan is known for pushing, I would say, hot takes and clickbaity stuff. So let's not, you know put all our faith in what they're reporting. I'm sure he's unhappy with this season. I'm sure he's unhappy. As he admitted, there's no you know, there's no guessing or speculating. He is unhappy. That's why he made those comments. But not enough to force a trade, I don't think. Not enough to make this an area's public laundry, his dirty laundry in public. That's not going to happen. I wouldn't go that far yet and assume that Vaughn is this unhappy camper. You have to look at the source, and also you have to put things in perspective. He is unhappy, but I think, like you said, Chad, when the week settles down, we'll see a different Vaughn at the podium.
1: Stu jumping in with a $20 donation on Super Chat. Thank you Stu. Our leading Super Chat superstar. Appreciate you Stu so much, brother. It means a lot. You know, the thing is with with radio and it's the same. Basically, you take, you know, the Skip Bayless uh wedge driving segments that ESPN pioneered back in the day. You see it now on F- Fox Sports 1 and that those those adversarial wedge driving debates, right? Radio specifically tries to create wedge debates with their co-hosts. So if you're listening to the morning show uh, in Denver, it's Mark Schlereth and uh, Mike Evans. You know, they're going to they're going to even if they don't necessarily disagree, they're going to pretend they disagree on specific issues because it creates debate and radio believes that makes a more compelling product. So And that's, that's really what Zach's saying here is that it's not necessarily that, I mean, anyone who listened to what Vaughn said last night at the podium can read between the, I mean, you don't even need to read between the lines. He was putting it out on front street that he's unhappy, right? He was dang near despondent despair. I use today in a report at mile But what, what 104.3, the fan does is they, they want to take that and it's their job to do this. This is just the way radio works and, Analyze it from not so much analyze it from every angle, but create wedges and create debates because they think it it creates a better product for the listener in Denver.
2: It's it's true, but you know, they're also the same radio station that that pitted Paxson Lynch and Trevor Simeon against each other for ratings, Team Paxton and Team Trevor. So right. you gotta look at the source. I'm not crapping on them. They put out some good quality programming, but you have to also think of the fact they're thinking of the ratings and they want to drive up as much discussion as possible. You lead with Von Miller in that sense. I want to address one comment too from Daniel it says Texas A&M, get it right. I said he played college football in Texas, not at Texas. The point still stands though, he has connections to that state. His mom also called out. Vaughn Miller and when you have all those dots it, it's natural tendency to connect them I don't see him in Dallas I don't see him anywhere outside of Denver next season this will blow over it's just a matter of are we going to see the same Vaughn that we have in previous years next year or is this the new Vaughn now and is his prime totally gone if I'm John Elway and Vic Fangio
1: I'm getting a meeting quickly calling Vaughn up and I'm saying look man You know, we took the first step towards, because here's the thing, as a franchise, yeah, the Broncos, as he said, they've tried everything, different coaches, different players, different quarterbacks. None of it matters until you got the quarterback. Seriously. You can have elite players at multiple levels of your roster. You can have great coaches. If you don't have the quarterback, it's all for naught. And an argument can be made right now by Elway and Fangio that, hey, look, Mon, you've seen it yourself and you've said it yourself. We've got our guy. The good times, you know, what what doubts we've had in the past with the likes of Simeons and the Keenums and the Flacos, that's gone. We truly believe we've got our guy, and you do too, from based on what you've said publicly and privately probably as well. Keep in mind as well, Vaughn, we're going into next year with north of $70 million in salary cap space, and we could end up with as many as 12 draft picks we have a real chance. We're talking, going back to that gap between the Broncos and and the chiefs in terms of where they're at talent wise, we have a real chance. We might not be able to close the entire distance, but we have a real chance to get close, significantly closer, like competitively closer. Cause I mean, in two matches, in two games this year, the chiefs outscored the Broncos. It was 53 to nine. And it's never been that lopsided. Even last year with BJ, with Vance Joseph and case Keenum, both games were decided against the chiefs by a single score. So on the surface, the Broncos regressed with all these mountains that were moved in the off season, coaching quarterbacks and all that. And so that's what I'm saying though, Zach, is I'm grabbing him and I'm, I'm trying to paint the picture of look one more year, at least yeah. hold on for one more year. Uh, if you want out of here, we understand it. Give us one more year. You're going to make a ton of money. I, I think it's still north of $20 million next year. Believe what we're saying, buy what we're selling and give us one more chance because that young core is there, the quarterback is there, and that's really the, I mean, the party doesn't happen, the music doesn't happen if you don't have the quarterback.
2: I think a part of him is trying to talk it into existence that Drew Locke is the guy. He said that about every single quarterback that's been through Denver since 2015, Chad. He said it about from Simeon all the way now to Drew Locke. He just is so thirsty. Like the Broncos fan base, I think he's very in tune with Broncos country. He is so thirsty and desperate for a starting quarterback. He is so desperate for the Broncos to put themselves back on the NFL relevancy map. He wants the Broncos to be a competent team again, a contending team, and not this basement baller like we've seen. I don't know, though, if you can sit him down and say, okay, it didn't happen 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. 2020, though, I promise, this is the year. It's going to happen this year. It's going to happen. How much more could you sell the guy? He's north of 30 now. I think his prime is 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 behind him. He already won a title. He holds most sack records for the Broncos. How much more hope could you sell him before he really says, "You know what? I can't do it anymore. I'm tired of losing." Um I'll believe it when I see it with the quarterback. And then you also figure he's going to be unsigned in a couple of seasons, Chad. He's going to probably he's going to have to soon think about angling for a contract extension with Denver or someone else. So I don't really think making these comments will um, persuade Elway to give him another $100 million deal, but he also started thinking about his future as well. That's his last major payday in the NFL, more than likely. 32, 33 years old. What's he going to do? Rocking a hard place, I feel like.
1: Well, you know, speaking of wedges, I'll disagree with you on one thing. First of all, you're right. He's always said, he's always been, he's always exercised hyperbole when talking about the six quarterbacks preceding Drew Locke, in between Manning and Locke. You know, he's – especially, like, even Brandon Allen. Like, he, he was saying mm. some crazy things about Brandon Allen. However, I think in this case – and I'm going to read a quote here. I think it really is different. I never heard him refer to any other quarterback as a rock star. At least off the top of my head, I can't think of him re- referring to anyone else. And let me read this this quote real quick. Because, you know, after Drew Locke went 2-0, defeated the Houston Texans in their house, like, with authority – it was a significant letdown. A lot of fans questioned, man, did we get out over our skeeves? Or were we too quick to anoint this guy? Media, they descended on it like, you know, just vultures on a, on a dead body in Death Valley. Well, Von Miller, he was extremely defensive. And I dare say I'd use the word, you know, well, maybe I won't go that far overboard. But he was critical. Let me put it that way. He castigated his teammates because he felt like the Broncos didn't do enough to support Drew Locke in a hostile environment in lackluster conditions. Here's what he said in in response to, I should say, the question of Drew Locke uh, and his performance thus far. Quote, Drew is definitely the future. It's everybody around. Guys have to get open. The offensive line has to block. Guys have to run the ball. Just cliche little things. Drew is doing what he needs to do. Defense needs to stop messing around and rush the pass and play tight coverage. We have to get sound. uh, uh, What is it? No, let's see. We have got to sound like a broken record up here because we keep saying the same thing. We found our quarterback and we have a great one, but everybody else needs to step up. You can't just lean on one guy, offense, defense, or special teams. This is the pros. You cannot just lean on one guy to do it all or to save you. It has to be a collective effort by the foundation of the team. And one one more little stretch here. When you get stars, you know that stars are going to take you to the next level. We've got guys all around, but we have to come up with it. For me, I guess it just looks different from my end. I'm 30 years old, and I've been playing in the league for nine years. I'm ready to hit the gear and go again. I'm ready to bring whatever we had in the past back two down years, three down years, four down years. We did that, and now I'm trying to get back on it. I'm not just speaking for me, but whenever we put it all out there, we play hard, and whenever we don't, we come up short. It's defeating, and it's more than just winning or losing. It just defeats my soul to go out there and play the way we play and lose the way we lose, close quote. What he was saying there about
2: Drew Locke, your reaction, Zach? Uh, I, he Drew Locke is the biggest star in Denver as a quarterback that since Pax and Lynch. You're talking since 2016. No quarterback has come through Dove Valley with the same amount of hype that, that Drew Locke has, and even more so considering the Pax and Lynch disaster. But I think those comments were less about Locke and more about the Broncos as a team yesterday. Because as we talked about, Shad, they let down Locke in every facet. His protection, his wide receivers, his coaching, his play calling, the game planning, it all failed Locke yesterday. And I think... To your point, I think you're right. I think there's a different feeling about Locke with Von Miller than the other quarterbacks. But let's not forget, he was saying that we're going to dance in locker room with Case Keenum and win championships. It just never materialized that way. He is such a good pro, Von, but he's seen the losing and he's seen the way in which the Broncos have lost. Yesterday was the first, I would say, VJ-type loss for the Broncos. They weren't competitive. They were blown out. That game was never really... Um, going trending in their favor. So he's tired of it. It's one thing to lose. It's another to get blown out against your bitter rival on the road in a what was a winnable game coming off a two-game winning streak. So the Broncos totally let everyone down yesterday, but namely their quarterback, and I think that's where Vaughn's defensive lock comes into play.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.
1: I'm just really curious to see how this team does after an offseason where they have as many resources to spend in terms of restocking the cupboard yeah. as they, d- they will in 2020. And for the first time, a quarterback that they can actually go out on a limb a little bit with in terms of not just, not just talking about him that way publicly, Drew Locke but in actually investing and building the nest around the model or the idea of playing to launch strengths. I mean, if you look at this thing, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, you have two borderline, well, Sutton's already borderline elite. In the case of Noah Fant, a year from now, that that's going to be a conversation is Noah Fant elite. He's going to be up there with the best because Locke's going to you know, you need that quarterback component to get skill position players, especially receivers and tight ends into that conversation. And I think they'll get it from Locke Fant. So you got two of those skill positions. Like if you look at what the chiefs have, not only do they have the best quarterback in the NFL bar none in Patrick Mahomes, but they've got Tyree kill. They've got Miko Hardman. They've got Travis Kelsey. They've got Sammy Watkins and it all adds up to, I mean, you saw how inept Vic Fangio's coverage schemes looked yesterday. It was mm. They tried They tried zone. They tried man. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, they just played man through the whole damn game on Drew Locke and forced him to hold onto the ball and read, and the windows were smaller. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes just sat back there, waited for the opening spot. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, the separation was ridiculous. But a lot of that has to do, though, Zach, with the fact that the Chiefs are stacked to the gills with elite level talent at the skill positions. And so for the Broncos, it's exciting to know that on one hand, you know, you might not be able to get all the way there in one more offseason because of how far back you have been set with your offensive line. But if you get one more, like if you find a way in your top four picks, I think they have five selections in the top 100. I, well, let's just say if you get there in your top five picks, you can find a True compliment, number 2 wide receiver. Not an average guy. I mean, Tim Patrick, he's played well at times. Deshaun Hamilton. To me, both guys are are jacks. They're just a guy. Right. You can upgrade those guys from the draft, and this is the class to do it. They're going to have an opportunity to do that. You restock the offensive line. You hopefully get a centered and and recovered emotionally, mentally, and healthy physically, Jawan James next year, and maybe a left tackle. You, f- you fix the O-line a little bit. They have a chance to get out there and bridge the gap, but the problems Zach, that I see before we get too optimistic about what the future can hold, you saw how decimated that secondary was. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in the snow, dude, carved them up and the defensive line was, was assigning dudes off the street, promoting dudes off the practice squad mm-hmm. to play that day. And so they they got a lot of ground to make up, but the good news is they're going to have the resources to do it.
2: And the good thing is, if Locke pans out, like we always talk about, Chad, I mean, he would raise all the talent around him. They would make even the most average receiver, like a Hamilton or like a Patrick, who I agree with you, they're not number two quality receivers. They're backups at best. He would make them better. And that's, I think, where Vaughn's disappointment and his anger comes in. He wants that young quarterback. He sees how the sausage gets made in the NFL. He sees how the new age NFL is all about the Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons, the young quarterbacks, the Broncos finally, I think, have that blueprint where they're copying the young quarterback game plan. They got their guy. He's the gunslinging type. He's the face of the franchise. He's the future. Now he just wants to put it all together. I think that's a lot where Vaughn's... It's almost impatience. He wants it to get going already. He's tired of losing, but they finally have that guy, and now they're just in purgatory. He wants to see what's going to happen next.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, Lamar Jackson, think of how ignobly he... I don't know, ignobly? I don't know if that's a word. Think of how ignoble the ending to his rookie season was the way they just got spanked in the playoffs and everyone was drawing long-term conclusions about, Hey man, like there's a chance, all that pre-draft stuff that he should, he, he's not a quarterback. He can't throw the football. He's not cut out to be a quarterback at the next level. He should have, tr- you know, switched positions to be a wide, wide receiver. All these conclusions people were jumping to after one bad game, one bad, you know, crap, the bed moment on the big stage in the playoffs. That didn't end the story. That wasn't the uh, punctuation for the Lamar Jackson story. Baltimore used that. They turned the ship around, and they got better, and you saw him just grow by leaps and bounds in year two. And so I think that could happen for the Denver Broncos. That could happen for a young quarterback like Drew Locke, especially, Zach, if you give him an entire offseason like the Ravens did with Jackson as the guy. All first-team reps are going to me. I'm the guy in terms of how it's postured in the locker room Everyone's falling in line. Everyone's believing in me. That's how NFL teams do it. The mistake the Broncos could make is, in any way, shape, or form. Even if Drew Locke loses these next two games and ends up being two and three as a starter as a rookie, the biggest mistake the Broncos could make would be going into another offseason where you are putting on these faux QB competitions and bringing in stopgap level quarterback veterans who, you know, you're you're putting on airs that they're going to compete with your young guy. No, you have to just do it the hard way. You just have to close ranks around your young guy, give him the full faith and support of the organization, and commit. You have to jump in with both feet, and that's when good things can happen. Now, Mike here jumping in with a $25 donation on Super Chat. has got a message for Zach. He says, Zach, what's up? I used to chime in regularly on your Broncos Facebook Live. Happy I found you here. Love the show, guys, and we'll be checking it out from here on. Real quick, should Fangio be fired? <laughs> hey, that's a pretty strong like. And by the way, good debut question, Mike. <laughs> yeah, welcome and thank you, Mike, for the support. We
2: really yes. appreciate it. Bro. Good to
1: see you again. Your answer.
2: Uh, first of all, Mike, um, I'm glad you found us here. Also, it's been a while since uh, those 24 seven Facebook Live, so uh, we're happy to see you here. But no, I mean it's 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 definitely. I, I assume you're being sarcastic here. It's definitely knee jerk, and that's the reaction a lot of Broncos fans have after every loss. After the Texans game, he was ready to give. Get coach of the year from some Broncos fans out there talking about him being fired. So, um, he definitely has a lot to improve. And I, and to be serious for a second, I don't think Fangio was this, uh, day one plug and play coach like we all thought he would be. He needed a lot more time to learn on the job and kind of grow into it. And he's not just going to step out from day one and be this Belichick type. A lot of us, um, Chad and I included, I can speak for you, Chad. We thought he'd be a little more advanced. We thought he had the, the history and the background to just come in and, and demand perfection and, and put the, the Broncos back on the winning track. It's going to take some time, but you see what he can do. You see his prowess, and if you give him a quarterback and some consistency, I mean, he'll have a good team as soon as next year.
1: There's a statement here by, I don't know, it's Axe Jones? Alex Jones? I'll grab it real quick. Locke is no Jackson. And then, of course, a bunch of fans in the stream dropping some knowledge on him. No, there is only one Lamar Jackson. He's a very unique player. He might be the most dynamic quarterback since Michael Vick in terms of the ceiling and the potential. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. It's the arc that we're trying to say here is a highly drafted player, and even though Locke ended up going in round two, it's a premium round draft pick that was used on him. I mean, look at what the Niners are doing with Jimmy Garoppolo. You can make hay with second-round pick quarterbacks. Sometimes great quarterbacks fall to the second round. In the case of Drew Loczak, I think that he has – and I've I've maintained this long before he was drafted as a Bronco, and ever since he was, that he's got many of the franchise tools that you look for. They were just in raw in raw form, and it becomes incumbent upon the coaching staff to shape those those tools and to create a polished product. And if that, even if he we never saw him again the rest of this season, if those first two games especially didn't prove how far Locke has already grown from his technical deficiencies, from his footwork to his throwing mechanics, his platform, and dropping back under center. All that stuff that was just an enormous undertaking for him to learn and change in just a short amount of time. I mean, he was drafted, what, end of April, beginning of May, joins the Denver Broncos, May to June, June, July, July, August, August, September, September, October, October, November, November, six, seven months. To the form that he was just out dueling the likes of Deshaun Watson on the road in his own house, that's what leads me to believe that it's there. The potential is there for Drew Lock to have the kind of turnaround season or kicking it into hyperdrive's second year that you saw from Lamar Jackson. Maybe not quite on the same level hype-wise in terms of you know Lamar Jackson can do can kill you in so many different ways. But as a quarterback working from the pocket doing big things, I could totally see Drew Lock. Being one of those surprise stories of 2020 that yep. you know it's so it's and when it happens it's like you know in media it's like the natural course just taking it's taking its shape a young quarterback that was highly drafted turns the corner and he's finally loose and he's he's unleashed on the NFL I can see that happen with Drew Lock.
2: I can too. I mean, his second year, it was the year of Mahomes, and his second year, it was the year of Lamar Jackson, and I will say, though, what's encouraging about having a franchise quarterback is look at Lamar Jackson's top targets in Baltimore, Chad. He has a rookie receiver in Hollywood Brown, and a fairly nondescript tight end in Mark Andrews. Those are his two biggest weapons. No household names, no pro bowlers. That's what happens when you have a franchise quarterback. It can make the talent around you even better, so that's why I wouldn't sweat too much having a uh, another receiver added in there, even if they just went to battle with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, if Locke grows and develops into the quarterback like he can be, into that franchise guy, he can win 10, 11 games with the talent they have right now. They still have to complement him. They still have to build around him. But when you have that talent, like a Lamar Jackson, like a Patrick Mahomes, it can lift ev- Look at Tom Brady. He was throwing guys off the street for so many years. He still isn't, too, in a sense. Jacoby Myers, no one's ever heard of that guy before. But you know what? They won multiple games. They won 10 games again this year, 10, 11 games, 12 games we'll finish with. That's what happens when you have that franchise guy. So as long as Locke progresses, it's going to make everyone around him so much better.
1: And it's all contingent, Zach, on the Broncos closing ranks, jumping in with both feet and completely committing to Locke being the guy in 2020. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Drop your pocket, jumps in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate 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 you. He says, "Keep up the good work. Look forward to this pod on my way to work or home from work." That's awesome, man. It's so cool when Zach and I hear stories about yeah. how you know you guys fit us into your lives and stuff. Like it's it's truly humbling that you make time for us, and and we appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to listen, whether it's live with us on the, on YouTube and Facebook, or if it's after the fact on the RSS feed, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever. So we appreciate each and every one of you guys, but. Zach, as far as moving it forward from here, Von Miller, I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to read really quickly, and then we'll start winding down today's episode. I want to read to our listeners Vic Fangio's response to what happened here with uh, Von Miller's kind of despondent press conference yesterday. Here's what he said on Von Miller's comments game: Quote, I heard a little bit of it. I just think he's the frustration of losing to those guys again. He's been here the last four years now to where it hasn't been a winning season, but he's been a positive influence and a positive part of this team, and that will continue. I just think it's more frustration, close quote. And then he was asked Zach if he feels whether or not the team is moving in the right direction. He says, quote, I think so. It's hard to claim that with the season going the way it's gone, but I do believe that, close quote. And then last thing, on whether he talked to Miller about his comments and if they're on the same page, quote, I don't think we're not on the same page, but yeah, I'll talk to Vaughn. I always do. Close quote. So Fangio, of course, very stoic, right? Old school, standing in the face of adversity and pain and misery and loss and and uh, not not cracking under pressure and everything's fine. He's, he's like the, the dad who's about to lose the, you know, he's underwater, hasn't paid the mortgage for three months. He's in debt. And when but when he walks into the living room to be around the kids, he puts on the brave face everything's fine, even though he's this close to losing it at all. That's the type of guy Vic Fangio is, and he's also the type of guy that is quick to minimize and brush things aside. So that being said, with regard to Von Miller, your take on Fangio.
2: Well, first of all, Chad, that was a great analogy. It's a great way to put it. But if he's that guy who's uh, in trouble of in in danger of losing the mortgage, there's a reason as to why he's in trouble of losing the mortgage. There's a reason as to why Von Miller isn't as successful this year in Fangio's scheme, and that's Vic Fangio. It's just he hasn't taken to it, and I think Vic had the wrong approach in the beginning by constantly chiding and needling Von Miller, telling him he can get better when he's the face of the franchise. That did not sit well with Von from day one. And then you go on and put him in this system where Bradley Chubb was looking better than you, where you're kind of being overtaken. It's all, a lot of it's ego. A lot of it's just a human being feeling, a human being emotion. So I don't, there's no surprise any of this I'm not surprised Fangio reacted that way I'm not surprised Vaughn acted that way but that's what Fangio is going to do he's going to try to minimalize it and internalize it and hope it kind of goes away but for as long as Vaughn continues to be frustrated I think he turned a corner now where he's not going to be Mr. Nice Guy anymore not going to be Mr. Silent Guy anymore he's going to speak out and he's going to make his presence felt so uh, Vaughn, Vic can only hide that I think for so long before he has to have a, a come to Jesus moment with himself so to speak this is the Overtime Podcast Network
0: They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
1: I mean, the bottom line is, this is the worst statistical season for Von Miller of his career. Because even the year in which he had the you know, double dagger of the suspension and then tearing his ACL. I mean, even then, he was more productive on a game-by-game sample size than he has been this year. Now, granted, it was only his third year in the league. He was drafted in 2011. This was the 2013 season when all that drama happened. And then DeMarcus Ware arrived in town, and and he grew up, and he turned the corner. But this season has been – I mean, look, you don't have to be like a graduate of the football Academy with a PhD in football to realize that Vaughn just simply hasn't been the impact player this year that you're used to seeing. Even if you're a surface fan and you kind of watch games as you're cooking in the kitchen and you might listen to a little radio on the week during the week or whatever, you have to recognize, they do recognize fans. Von Miller just hasn't been the same person. Now Where are the same player. Where it gets questionable, Zach, is how, how do you explain it? How do you chalk it up? How do you rationalize? Is it age? Is it the fact that he just crossed the 30 threshold? Is it a combination of age? Um, yeah. You know, the four years of of downtime and just being worn thin by that. Fangio's scheme, lack of talent around him, Bradley Chubb going down in week four for the season. Like Vaughn's always had that complimentary piece on the opposite side rushing to help take pressure off him. From Elvis Dumerville to Demarcus Ware to Bradley Chubb, he didn't. He hasn't had this for the that for the majority of this season. So there are just so many moving parts that it's hard to know for sure exactly what the primary culprit is behind Von Miller's apparent regression. And it's not like off a cliff. I don't hmm. because he's been very. Um, he's been he's been he's made impacts against the run. He's he gets the pressures. He just hasn't been getting home. The film doesn't lie. The advanced analytics tell the story. I mean, I've I've never every year that I've covered the Broncos dating back to when he first got into the league, Zach, he's been a, a an advanced analytics darling. One of the top 3 highest graded players in the entire league his entire career. Right now I think he's in the 20s or 30th highest ranked edge player in the NFL. And that tells the story. So the question is why? Again, what's the primary culprit?
2: I, I think it's, it's, there's not one, it's many different things. And I think it's a, a regression to the mean. I think it's just a down season. Some players have that. So, I mean, he's been a double digit sack guy every season of his career, minus his injury rune season. He still has seven this year. It's not like he has one. He might get, he might get to 10 still, but it's age. It's the scheme. It's he's playing through an injury. He lost Bradley Chubb. It's, and he's just having a down season. It happens. It happens in this business. It's just, is you can be as good as you are but we expect Vaughn being so highly paid to just win these one-on-ones constantly to get five, six sacks a game. It's not going to work that way. This defense has been injury racked since the beginning. They haven't had their full complement yet. It's not the same defense like we saw in years past, and Vaughn is getting up there. He might be a step slower. He might be a little more uh, angrier than he was in recent seasons, but I still think... You bring him back next year, which the Broncos will, he'll be more Vaughn. He'll be a 12-15 sack guy. It's just a bad season. It's going to happen. I wouldn't draw any conclusions, but I also wouldn't say it's it's one thing or the other. It's many different reasons and many different factors.
1: You know, you hear the phrase comedy of errors. It's a comedy of factors that have led to the version of Vaughn that you've seen this year. And they're not all his fault, and probably most of them aren't his fault. But at the end of the day, he has to be accountable for his performance, and I think that's part of his frustration why he stood up there yesterday and talked the way that he did. Now, one one more question here, and then we gotta start getting out of here for tonight, you guys. From uh, I don't know how you pronounce your first name, dude. Ax Jones, X Jones, Ax Jones. Is Locke better than Jay Cutler? They are noticeably comparable. Question mark. Um, they are very similar players from a uh, measurements tools. You know, skill set perspective. The one difference, Zach, I'll say, between Jay Cutler and Drew Lock is that Drew Lock, like Cutler, had the QB one self confidence and and um, almost to use Vic Fangio's verbiage, athletic arrogance. <clears throat> he had that, but he wasn't magnetic. He didn't have the QB one appeal to other people. He wasn't the leader. He wasn't. He didn't have that charisma that ultimately is the is the kind of the the final component that raises all ships like the tools the traits they get you there but you got to have that ability to bring it all together with with your personality and that's just not something cutler ever had Locke does have that.
2: I would say that Cutler had a little bit of a stronger arm, but I think yeah. uh, Drew Locke has better precision. It's 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 comparable. It's negligible, but I think Cutler was a little stronger of an arm, but I think Locke has better accuracy. He has more mobility, for sure, than Jay Cutler, and he's more of a leader, a natural leader. Cutler was very moody. He was very... Um, you know, rough around the edges. And he still is, even in his reality show. That's just the type of guy that he is. But Locke is a natural leader who all the other players gravitate toward. You have a future Hall of Famer in Von Miller calling you a rock star after only three starts. I don't think the same was being said about Jay Cutler. He just, he brings everyone around him. It's infectious, his personality. So I, if you, you boil it down, I would happily take Jay, Drew Locke, the prospect, over Jay Cutler. I think he's a better quarterback and a better leader
1: one thing I'll never forget, and I bet there are a lot of fans who are about to nod right along with me here. And Zach, I know this was before your time, but in 2006, Jay Cutler's rookie season, there's a play. This, And I remember watching this and just sitting up in my chair dumbfounded because I hadn't seen a Broncos quarterback show that kind of arm talent since Elway, and really Elway in his prime like 88 through 94 Elway. And it it was a play, I can't remember the exact yardage, but he drops back, play action, rolls out to the left a little bit and just uncorks this (sighs) massive deep ball to Javon Walker that had to go well over 50 yards in the air, pinpoint accuracy, drops it in the, and not like lofts it like a bomb where you put a lot of air under it and the guy runs under on a freaking rope, dude, just boom, touchdown. And it, it was the type of, just raw talent, you're like, dang, dude. Now I kind of see why Shanahan pulled the plug on Jake Plummer despite th- three years in a row of taking the team to the playoffs, Jake Plummer did, and the trip to the – let's not forget, Jake Keller was drafted on the heels of Jake Plummer leading the Broncos to an AFC title game. They fell short to Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers who went on to beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. But, man, I saw that play. Here it is, Jay Shanty. Reverse bootleg to Javon Walker, 65 yards, and it was on a rope, dude. And uh, for those of you listening right now, or live, and even after the fact, just Google in YouTube, just search uh, Cutler to Javon Walker, 65 yards, or just Cutler to Javon Walker, and you'll see it, it as phenomenal play. That arm talent is there, and I'll agree with you. I think that arm strength it probably it's it's negligible to to, to a degree, but locks dang close to Cutler.
2: And it's either way you slice it, Chad. It's so nice and and hopeful and optimistic to have that quarterback in the huddle under center who's capable of delivering those type of throws, who's capable of making those 65-yard rope passes. We haven't seen that, I mean, since prime Peyton Manning. And before that, it was Jay Cutler. But you finally have a quarterback who has all of Cutler's good traits and none of his bad ones. So it's definitely encouraging for the future.
1: Let me see here. Hmm. Two thousand six. Let me see if this is the play. And if it is, I'll share it on the screen. It is. Okay, guys. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna play this. You guys tell me what you think real quick. I'm gonna share the screen and then we're gonna we're gonna bid you adieu for the evening. Let me see here. Hopefully this plays. Zach, let me know how it looks. Okay. Here we go. Okay, I'm gonna hit play. Tell me if you can see it.
2: Yep. Is it looks moving? good? Yep. Okay. There's the bootleg. Boom. Look, oh, across his body
1: low. too. On a rope across his body. He, was, he
2: was rolling to the left, too, and he's a right-handed quarterback. That's crazy. So,
1: anyway, and I think I think Drew Locke has some of that in him, and uh, not some, a lot of that in him, but from an intangibles perspective, he's got a lot more of what NFL teams need at the franchise level. All right, you guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. The aftermath as we sift through the 23-3 to loss for Denver, <clears throat> Denver Broncos to the Chiefs. Once again, nine straight losses. Time to put it b- to bed, put it behind you, all right? Look forward to these final two games because, Zach, Drew Locke has a legit chance to finish his his five-game rookie audition four and one as a starter. You don't want to count your chickens before they hatch, but you got the Detroit Lions coming to town this coming week, followed by the Raiders in Denver to close out the season. So, Drew Locke, I mean, if, if, if you were to say <clears throat> at the beginning of this season, hey, Drew Locke's going to come in. And whenever that is in the season, he's going to end up going 4-1 and as a rookie. I think 100 out of 100 uh, Broncos fans would take that all day long, twice on Sunday.
2: And the good thing is for Locke, he has the ultimate get-right game against the Lions, whose defense makes every opposing quarterback look like world beaters. They just made Jameis Winston, he threw four touchdowns against them, 400-something yards, 456 yards or something like that. If there's an opponent for Locke to get right against at home, it is the Lions and a prime opportunity. Um, I think this is the game where he throws three touchdowns, he has 300 yards, and whatever fan morale was lost after the, the, the defeat to the Kansas City Chiefs will be gained back again with Drew Locke. I mean, this is the best matchup. This is the medicine that ails him is this Lions defense, and I would look for him to finish strong this week and next the following week against Oakland. He's going to end this season on a really high note, Chad. This is a good point by Dre. There's a lot of cool things this this
1: platform that we use to stream that uh, we could make some compelling content on YouTube, breaking down plays. The problem is our podcast listeners might find it to be a little bit boring. Who just listen after the fact because if they're not able to watch the play with us, you know we could try it a time or two and just pick a pick a clip and break it down. It would be fun to do live. I'm just not sure what the after the fact podcast listeners would think of it, but. The, the the opportunities are endless. The possibilities are as well. Zach and I are 100% excited and committed to continuing to do more with YouTube, yep. with you guys on YouTube. And, you know, maybe that includes breaking down some film once we get into the 2020 offseason and we're not quite as
2: slave to the news cycle because the Broncos are in the middle of a season. And and Mike, one of our our followers, our listeners can tell you on the old Facebook lives and on other platforms, we don't have this ability. We don't have the ability to connect with the fan base and interact with you guys. So we're still discovering all these new features as well. It's definitely something we can do in the future, but we have some ideas, Chad and I, to not only enhance our podcast, these live pods, but also reward all of you for tuning in and continuing to contribute. Nothing goes unnoticed and we are eternally grateful for it.
1: Amen to that. Guys, thanks again for joining us here. We're going to go ahead and sign off. Make sure really quick you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, the best way to stay in touch with what's happening with the show and the Denver Broncos in real time. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned because there will be, for those of you listening after the fact on the podcast, you're going to have a Building the Broncos episode on Wednesday, Uh, to listen to as you wake up wednesday morning and then zach and i will be back in the saddle with a live pod wednesday evening 6 p.m mountain 8 p.m eastern and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you guys then in between now and then we'll get some more opportunity to hear from fangio and more players and then of course on thursday we'll hear from vaughn and it'll be interesting zach to see if his tune changes you know if he's not quite so despondent but in the meantime zach have a great start to your week my brother you too feel better my man All right, man, appreciate it. And all you guys as well, have a great start to your week. Keep your chin up. Look forward to seeing Drew Locke at home in front of the Mile High faithful this Sunday against the Detroit Lions. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.